The Truth News Network. A politician on the campaign trail once said, We choose truth over facts. I don't need to mention any names, Joe Biden. But if you think that statement is reassuring, you're probably not going to like what happens next. Because you're in the home of blunt force truth, of conservative thought, not just talk, of facts that are truth. Welcome to TNN, the Truth News Network. And here's Dan Newman. And I guess the P.S. to that is, you know, just when you think there's no way it could get any worse, guess what happens? It gets worse and worse. Good morning, everybody. Don't fret. Don't worry. We're all going to be okay. This is the United States of America. This is still the greatest country on the planet today and in human existence. Did you get that? We're the best there is. There is nothing better out there. And there are tens of thousands, maybe even millions of people that don't believe that, that they're going around trying to find a better place. And guess what? It doesn't happen. It doesn't exist. Well, I hope you're having a good week. Where I am right now, it is raining and cold. Yesterday, it was raining and cold. Tomorrow, It's going to be raining and cold. But after all, this is February. Isn't that what's supposed to happen in February? Well, we're just going to puzzle through it. We have a lot of things to get covered today. Yes, Congress really back in session. I mean, they're getting after it. And who's getting after it? You do realize the GOP has the majority control of the House of Representatives. And hearings are underway the very serious hearings that we told you were going to happen once the GOP took control. And they're doing that, but guess what you're not hearing about? Mainstream media, they're not even talking about it. They're keeping it kind of quiet. Why? Because the hearings that are underway are very serious hearings about very serious things. No, not the little trivial you know, you got to talk this way and you can't say these things and you've got to listen to us because we're teaching critical race theory and ESG and all those kinds of things. No, you're not hearing about those in hearings. What you're hearing about is lawlessness within this government from the top down. Yes, I mean the White House right on through the cabinet And then it even filters down into states and local law enforcement, all at the behest of a lawless president that instills all of this. It's okay. It's okay. The only reason you ever have to follow the law, if it it fits the narrative that we're pushing out of Washington, D.C., out of this administration, those hearings are way, way underway. We're going to talk about a few of those this morning. But what we're going to do now is we're going to begin the day with a maybe third cup of coffee. Yeah, you got time. Go grab that cup of coffee. Come back. We're going to get started in just a minute. But in the interim, how about a little ditty from those eagles? 
I don't want to hear it anymore. <laughs> that truth thing. It's not the first time that I had the sense that something's wrong. But I'm old enough to know that things don't always work out like they should. I know you're trying. just don't want to hear anymore. If you're going to leave me, woman, just leave me. Wow. 
Have you ever been dumped? What does that have to do with Truth News Network? Really nothing. But have you ever been dumped? I don't care if you're male or female. Somewhere in your life, you got dumped. <laughs> we, all, we all have had our hearts broken, haven't we? You know what? I guess that's just part of growing up, learning how to face rejection. And there's a lot of that going on in the world around us now. A lot of people that are really smart people that are really good people, very honest people, are being told, sit down and shut up. What you believe, what you say, those things are no longer valuable. Why? Because we're in charge. And because we're in charge, that means you have to sit down and shut up. Let's start today with doing a little analysis. This classified docugate thing It's just getting out of hand. Every day now, every couple of days, we hear about how involved in making sure classified documents that have been in the hands of Joe Biden and his minions that weren't supposed to be in the hands of Joe Biden and his minions, they're being uncovered. And what we're being told every time this happens, now we're being told this by the Biden White House, the attorneys there. Oh, we're cooperating with the Department of Justice. We found these and turned them over. Do you know we've been told that on three different occasions? And then we've been told we turned everything over, only to find out later they're lying to us. Even from the beginning, that University of Penn, that think tank where Joe Biden, when he left the vice presidency, went there to his office there every day, that first batch of Biden classified documents, we were told we found these and we called the FBI and said, look what we found. That wasn't true. The FBI went to that think tank and found this stuff. Now, let me ask you a question. Why would they purposely mischaracterize the source of these documents? Where I come from, it's called the cover-up. And then we're finding out they're going to all of the residences. Isn't it kind of cool? Isn't it kind of nice that somebody can say, I have multiple residences and, oh, I'm a public servant. I've been in the United States Senate where I made $170,000 or less, but I've got five different residences on beach property. Hmm. That's a story for another day. So let's look at the two elephants in the room regarding DocuGate, that of Donald Trump and that of Joe Biden. Let's compare the two. Former President Trump, for now at least, seems to have had more documents labeled classified down at Mar-a-Lago in Florida than did President Joe Biden at his various homes in Delaware and the UPenn think tank in D.C., Yet otherwise, the comparisons between the two cases, contrary to popular punditry, hardly favor the president. I'm talking about this president, Joe Biden. Let's look at these. First, a stranger would face a far greater challenge entering a post-presidential Mar-a-Lago than a pre-presidential Biden home, office, or garage. (laughs) Or who knows where else? They're still looking. 
Secret Service agents and private security were stationed at Mar-a-Lago 24-7. Why? A former president lived there. That's standard operating procedure when any president leaves office. But prior to the election in 2020, these Secret Service agents and private security, they weren't at Citizen Biden's various homes for most of 2017 to 2020, much less prior to 2009 when he became the vice president. That was number one. Second, we seem to forget that for much of the developing controversy, Biden's own team was investigating Biden. Think about that. On the other hand, the Biden administration's DOJ and the FBI weren't just investigating Trump as an outside party, but as a former president. Oh, also, a possible 2024 presidential candidate and an opponent of Biden himself. Remember, the narrative of the first Democrat impeachment of Trump, remember that? It was based on an allegation that Trump had used his powers of his presidency to investigate Joe Biden and his family, a likely 2020 challenger to Trump's re-election bid. Third, no one in a position of government authority had passed judgment on Biden's alleged security violations. That wasn't the case of the still alleged violations of Trump. Do you realize that? Don't you think for a second the special counsel that's investigating Donald Trump, it's real easy to find out if some of the classified documents that were there were there illegally. If that was the case, wouldn't Donald Trump be charged already with the violation of classified document rules? I mean, after all, this is Donald Trump. Every time anybody thinks he breaks wind, they make a national disaster out of it. Biden is president. He had weighed in during his own DOJ's ongoing investigations of Trump. Indeed, he proclaimed the former president to be guilty. Here's a quote. How could anyone be that irresponsible? In contrast, he also dismissed the ongoing investigation of himself with, quote, there is no there there. Fourth, Trump is certainly right that as president, he had a far more substantial claim of declassification rights than did Biden, who took the papers out either as a senator or vice president, or both. And then fifth, the FBI wasn't merely asymmetrical in melodramatically raiding Mar-a-Lago while allowing Biden lawyers to inspect various of those Biden stashes. I'll never be able to reconcile where the DOJ told Biden's White House lawyers, oh, you just go ahead and keep looking. And if you find anything, let us know. Yeah, <laughs> that was similar to Mar-a-Lago, right? The FBI also leaked the purported contents of the subjects of the Trump classified documents. And remember that picture? They falsely spread the lie of nuclear codes and nuclear secrets. And those papers 
were messily arrayed on the floor when they arrived, they said. No, they did that, the FBI. So far, the FBI has come lightly and belatedly to the Biden case with not a single SWAT team and only under pressure from the public and the Republican opposition, by the way. Sixth, Biden did not self-report, as they have said again and again. Biden's team did not call the relevant government authorities the minute they discovered the classified documents in Biden's think tank office and his home and his garage. I wonder if there are any classified documents in the trunk of that uh, Corvette. In truth, Biden or somebody close to Biden certainly knew that he or someone close to him had illegally removed classified documents when he left the vice presidency in 2017 or even years earlier as a senator. I wonder about Ron Klain. This just literally moments ago when I was talking to you popped into my head. Ron Klain, he's been with Biden for the duration. I wonder what Ron Klain knows. The only reason the current troves are coming to light was apparent White House paranoia that the media, the Biden Justice Department, and the special counsel were so fixated on the Trump documents that they likely feared someone might raise the logical question of whether a hypocritical Biden himself might be guilty of exactly the crime for which they're pursuing Trump. Worse, Biden and his staff knew classified documents were in his possession before the midterms, but they deliberately suppressed that information until after the elections were over. Oh, and did you know they did that in conjunction with the DOJ? In fact, CBS is the only reason that we know anything about the Biden documents. There was a plan coordinated between this White House and the DOJ. Let's just don't let them know that this is out there. If we don't go shout it from the mountaintops, they'll never know and it'll just go away. Seventh, Trump's documents were stored only at one place, Mar-a-Lago, and only for about 19 months. Biden's were stashed at various locations for nearly seven years, or perhaps more than a decade. We don't know. We probably never will know. There were far more opportunities of time and space for anybody without security clearances that wanted to, to have access to the Biden documents than to the Trump files. Eighth, the press has exhaustively pontificated, speculated, I know that surprises you, usually wrong about how the documents reach Mar-a-Lago and what they contained. In contrast, nobody knows or even asks why Biden took these classified documents, what they concerned, or who, if any in his family circle, had access to them. I'll remind you, we've all seen pictures of Son Hunter driving that infamous Corvette. And he lived in that home, the garage that held the Corvette and the classified documents. 
That in itself, just so you know, that is a gross violation of the mishandling of classified documents. Ninth, Trump's documents didn't expose other liabilities of the constantly investigated Trump. The Biden files so far have directed attention to the mysterious tens of millions of dollars in communist Chinese money that poured into Biden's think tank at the University of Pennsylvania, the proximity of members of the quid pro quo Biden consortium to these classified papers and the files relevance, if any, to the Biden family's overseas businesses or the Biden family syndicate, as we term that here at Truth News Network. Did Hunter ever consult or view classified documents while he was living in a home with them? Will there be fingerprint or DNA tests on the documents themselves? If Hunter consulted any of these classified documents, listen to what I'm about to say. If he did, if Hunter had anything to do with any of these classified documents, the Biden presidency is toast. And finally, number 10, Trump possessed contested documents as a private citizen. Biden's files under contention involve the current behavior of the president of the United States. The president, not the former president, the president of the United States. Biden ran for office, was elected, and serves as president with the full knowledge that during all this time, he was possessing unlawfully held classified documents. Now, I'm a conservative. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I am a Trump supporter. I'm not a Biden supporter. I hold both men to the same measure of liability for everything they do have done and are doing now. I don't give either one of them a free pass. And I'm certainly, I'm certainly going to be open and honest. I'm going to listen to everything that's brought out about any potential wrongdoing of both. Why? One's a former president and is going to run again in 2024. The other is a former vice president, a former lifer in the Senate, and he's now president of the United States. I think I have the right, I think I have the obligation to hold them both to the same measure of accountability for their actions. And that, my friends, is not political. That is what Americans are supposed to do in every case. Welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order? Yeah, I'll have a pre-meeting pump-up, a Monday fixer, and a screaming boss recovery. So that's one peppermint mocha, one McCafe frappe, and one fruit smoothie? Yep. Name your drink. McDonald's has it. We're your destination for those special flavors that help you get through your day. Get any small McCafe smoothie, frappe, shake, or espresso drink for only $2. Even the delicious new peppermint mocha. For a limited time, price and participation may vary. 
playing football, you run up to 120 pitches. You work out 650 muscles. You withstand three times your body weight. You treble your adrenaline production. You raise your heartbeat to 180 times per minute. And in the end, you lose up to three liters of sweat for one goal. This game is not a game. Gatorade works with no artificial colors or sweeteners. Hi, Tom Bodette, quote, checking in on my smartphone. Everyone's checking in nowadays at airports, restaurants, appointments with certain medical specialists. Seriously, people, TMI. Anyway, thanks to the Motel 6 mobile app, you can book a clean, comfortable room at Motel 6 on your smartphone and get a great rate. Then when you get to Motel 6, you can check in after you check in. Your friends will be totes jealous. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. I pass through the trees. I leave behind the mountains. I weave in the air. I fly over the birds. And I wish when I complete my journey, I leave behind a better world. Honda Civic Hybrid, India's first hybrid car with IV Tech engine, leave behind a better world. Is the insanity making your head spin? Okay, let's sit down and figure this out together. Again, Dan Newman. So here's what we're going to do. There's more. There's much more to DocuGate. Listen to this. As we were beginning the show today, this little tidbit popped up. A House Republican has said the top lawyer for the National Archives. You know, that's the entity that is supposed to contain and protect all classified documents. The National Archives, we just found out a moment ago, wasn't allowed to weigh in on the discovery of classified documents that are or were in possession of Joe Biden. Despite now, the National Archives publicly commenting repeatedly on Donald Trump's similar circumstance. You haven't heard anything from National Archives about the Biden stuff, have we? Well, they've stayed largely quiet when it comes to Biden's classified DocuGate saga, a stark contrast to how it handled Trump's scandal. It set up an entire section on its website, the National Archives, press statements in response to media queries about presidential records. And they opened that in early 2022, dedicated to its numerous press releases on the Trump Mar-a-Lago document saga. But guess what? Here we are weeks after Biden's scandal burst into public view, months after the National Archives first learned about it, the agency has yet to issue a single press release on Biden's DocuGate. Representative James Comer, Republican from Kentucky, now the chairman, the new chairman of the House Oversight Committee, he conducted a transcribed interview with National Archives General Counsel Gary Stern on Tuesday. Tuesday, that'd be two days ago. And he revealed, Stern says, he had been blocked from putting out any public press releases on the Biden classified document saga 
with Comer suggesting only the Justice Department or the White House could have blocked the National Archives. Here's a quote from Comer this morning. Right before the National Archives came in, they handed us a letter from the Department of Justice informing them and us that the General Counsel for the National Archives wasn't allowed to say anything about the Biden documents. But we went ahead and we had about a three-plus-hour transcribed interview with that general counsel. And what we learned, there's a double standard here with how Donald Trump was treated versus Joe Biden. Comer gave an example of the bias. The numerous Mar-a-Lago press releases compared to zero Biden classified documents press releases on the National Archives website. So, Comer says, we asked the general counsel, why were there no press releases sent on Joe Biden once it was determined that he had classified documents in his possession? And the general counsel said that he did do press releases, but he was ordered and told they could not be published. So we did ask who gave him the orders, and he said, quote, I can't tell you that. But we all know there are only two people who could have given him those orders. There is either that from the DOJ with Merrick Garland or the White House with Joe Biden. Comer said Stern also testified he had typed out answers to GOP requests for info on the Biden classified documents, but the general counsel wasn't allowed to make that information public with Comer again saying the culprit could only be the Department of Justice or the White House. So let's just peel back a few more layers behind the scenes. Biden's personal attorney said they first discovered classified documents on November 2nd at the Penn-Biden Center in Washington. Biden's lawyers contacted the White House Counsel's Office and the White House contacted the National Archives. The National Archives informed its own Inspector General on November 3rd, and the watchdog contacted DOJ the next day. Well, the president's lawyers have since found more classified documents in December and January at Biden's home in Wilmington, Delaware. But then the DOJ says they found more when it conducted its own search earlier this month. Biden's personal attorney confirmed yesterday that the FBI was conducting a search of Biden's beach home in Rehoboth, Delaware. The archives weighed in on a Mar-a-Lago in January of 2022, twice in February of 2022, and in October of 2022. Despite the archives remaining eerily silent on the Biden saga, it released three more Mar-a-Lago press releases since it learned of classified documents at the Penn Biden Center. Those were released early November, late December, and on Tuesday, two days ago. You just can't make this stuff up 
And nobody in mainstream media, I haven't heard a single person in mainstream media bring this up. Now, let me ask you this. This is a little bitty website, investigative blog site and program. We don't have a bunch of investigative journalists on our staff here. The only one we have you here every Tuesday live, Steve Baker. We find this stuff out I just told you about. Now, we'll say part of it was sent to us. Part of it, we were just doing our normal preparation for the show, and bam, there it was. We haven't heard a bit of this on even Fox News. This is very serious stuff. The DOJ is covering it up. The White House is covering up, and their own people are being told, don't you let this out there. You keep this quiet. So I'm going to ask you one question, and we're going to move on. This is a very, very obvious and very intense attempt to keep the American public about knowing the content of any of these classified documents. What could they possibly be that is so bad the administration, the Department of Justice, may have actually violated federal law in keeping it hushed and away from the American people. I'm not a conspirator, but there's something there I think anybody and everybody can understand there is something there that they're covering up. And remember that old adage in Washington, D.C., it's one thing when you do something wrong, it's just wrong. But it's worse if you don't expose it and reveal it. The cover-up is worse than the actual act. That's what we're looking at. Hunter Biden is in this too. Promise you, when it quacks and waddles, it's a duck. Hunter's quacking today. Meanwhile, yesterday, our Federal Reserve raised interest rates by a quarter of a percentage point, and they have signaled another hike is coming in March in a bid to cut that evil inflation. The Fed has raised its target interest rate, quarter of a percentage point. The increase announced yesterday, it sent the U.S. Central Bank's benchmark overnight interest rate in the four and a half to four and three quarter range, the highest since November of 07, when rates were slashed at the onset of our financial crisis. This increase was smaller than its previous hike, even larger rate increases before that. The Fed's latest move will further raise the cost of many consumer and business loans and could increase the risk of a recession. So they issued, as they always do, a policy statement. They continued to promise ongoing increases in borrowing costs, which is a signal that policymakers there intend to raise their benchmark rate again when they meet next in March, and perhaps in May as well, still. The stock market, which has spent the day in the red, they rallied when this news came out 
As Fed Chairman Jerome Powell spoke after the decision, the S&P 500 gained 2% late in the session. So why would the market go nuts when the Fed announces they're raising interest rates? Listen to what I'm about to tell you. The markets don't believe the Federal Reserve. They don't trust the Federal Reserve. They don't trust Jerome Powell. They do their own financial research, do these financial markets and these brokerage firms. They have methods to look around and make decisions based upon the facts that they uncover. They think the market is recovering quicker than the Federal Reserve says that they are. And they also believe it's not going to be any worse, or if if it does get worse, it's not going to be nearly as bad as the Federal Reserve is trying to make out to the American people. Remember this, the Fed missed this. They missed this. They failed to take actions in the very beginning of the deep, deep, deep Biden spending of several trillion dollars. That's what raises inflation numbers. And the Fed should have began raising rates at that point to slow down the spending, and they didn't do it. I'm going to predict something else for you. Jerome Powell, he's the chairman of the Federal Reserve. He's toast. If Biden himself doesn't can him, he's going to get pressured to can him. I promise you that's going to happen. Why? Results. Results are the only thing that matter when you start talking about politics and financial markets. You got to be smart. You got to take action. You just can't sit on your hands and watch Americans begin to starve to death. They can't even afford gasoline to go to and from work. And then when you have a few bucks to spend at a grocery store, some stuff is 70, 80, even 100, and even 200% more than it was when Biden took office. Thank you, Uncle Joe. Everybody knows House Speaker Kevin McCarthy had a meeting yesterday afternoon at the White House, spent an hour with the president discussing what are we going to do? We've got to raise our debt limit because we won't be able to play our bond note interest rates, interest payments that are coming due. What are we going to do? Biden said he flatly refused There will be no negotiations. I want a clean increase of the federal debt with no kind of restrictions on it. Anything else, we're not even going to negotiate. That's from Joe Biden. Well, guess what happened yesterday? (laughs) Kevin McCarthy says he can find common ground with Joe Biden over our 31, now $31.5 trillion debt that he calls America's greatest threat. The speaker says after he met with the president, he wants to find savings for taxpayers during the White House showdown. So McCarthy said that he thinks he can come to an agreement with Biden on raising our debt ceiling But McCarthy refused to lay out the cuts he wants to federal spending, and he wouldn't give any details about what the two men talked about 
in their Oval Office meeting. I just walked out having an hour conversation with the president that I tell you, in perspective, was a good conversation. No agreements, no promises, except that we will continue this conversation. Now, that's what he told White House reporters right after the meeting ended. There's nothing in there with me walking away that does not believe at the end of the day we can come to an agreement that makes America stronger, puts us on a path to balance, and exactly what the American people are asking us to do. It's our responsibility, he added. Now, the two get together. They met for the first time since McCarthy won the speakership, and their sit-down came in the middle of a stalemate over how to raise a country's $31.4 trillion borrowing limit. The White House, in a readout of the meeting, said it was a, quote, frank and straightforward dialogue. So before the meeting happened, both sides laid out their arguments. Biden wanted specifics from McCarthy on what federal spending he wants to cut, and McCarthy wants Biden to agree to negotiate with him on future federal budgets. And the meeting ended just like it began, a stalemate. Both the White House and the Speaker said talks are going to continue. The country is expected to hit its borrowing limit in June. Wednesday's meeting was expected to be the opening session of many negotiations to come. Biden and I, the president, are trying to find a way that we can work together. We will continue to do that, McCarthy said. Now, I don't know who you are, where you come from. When you have a meeting and you don't come out with any specifics in hand, but you did get something when you went in and came out that is a little different. The president said before, over and again, pontificating the very few times that he mentioned it in public, he would absolutely not negotiate. It's non-negotiable, his words. Biden blinked. He came out of the meeting and said, yep, we're going to work together to find a way. We will continue to do that. Just as as an aside, I got to be honest with you, totally honest with you. I don't think this president is equipped on a personal basis to have the ability to really say the right things. And the reason I don't think he can say the right things is he's not basing what he says on well-thought-out, considered, and determined ideals for running the nation. That should scare us all to death. Why? We're talking about the most powerful man on the planet. This is the guy that has another little guy carrying around the nuclear codes in a briefcase everywhere the president goes 24-7. He's the guy that is the only one that can push the nuclear buttons. And I can't make any wide-sweeping factual statements about what I just said. But I have the sense we're being led by some entity, not a person, but some group of people 
who are the ones that are making all of the decisions, and they're using Joe Biden as nothing more than a mouthpiece. That's just my opinion, folks. It's just my opinion. We have a lot more to get in today. We've got a huge issue down at our southern border, and it gets worse and worse and worse. There are other things that are going on. A lot of lying. (laughs) When you say politics, the word lie, it's just in the same sentence. I mean, it's always there. Politicians, you know, that old worn-out joke about a politician. You know how you know when a politician is lying. It's when their lips are moving. Thankfully, that's not the case in every situation. But I will say, probably is true more often than it's not. That's a scary thing. We're just getting cranked up here. Go get another. Well, maybe you need this shift to a Diet Coke now. Be right back. In a world gone mad, telling the truth is a bold move. Your anchor in this sea of chaos is TNN. not be able to lower the cost of gas, but we can do something about how many miles you will drive per gallon. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store today and let us help you increase the performance of your car or truck. Simple things like replacing your air filter, changing worn out spark plugs, and using fuel injector cleaner can add up to better fuel economy and big savings. There's an O'Reilly Auto Parts store close to you that has the name brands, low prices, and people who can help. Restore lost fuel economy and eliminate rough idle with Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts by 2 and get one free. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner quickly cleans clogged injectors to increase fuel efficiency and help your vehicle run smooth. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner, buy two, get one free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply, see store for details. Little Caesars Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring six forty nine dollars in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesars. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesars Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just six forty nine. dollars Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. Let me ask you this. Do you any do you do any do you watch or listen to any nighttime shows? Maybe the news shows. The lineup for Fox News. Who do we have? We have uh we have Jesse, Jesse's own first, then Tucker, then Sean, then Laura, and then Gutfeld. You ever listen to any of those? I do. I I never just listen to one whole show. I'll watch segments from each of these shows or maybe once or twice an evening. Evenings here can be kind of busy. I'm pretty sure it's probably the same thing at your house. I just happened to catch Jesse Waters last night when he was talking about, thinking about, 
and postulating on some of the FBI's actions regarding this Joe Biden docugate thing. I wanted to share those with you. Nobody likes getting in trouble. When I bombed math quizzes, I hid it from mom. Or you're sneaky with your dad. He goes out of town, party time, until mom and dad come home a little early. And when you're older, the most important thing you learn, never leave a paper trail. And if you're sitting in a crime scene before police show up, it's kind of tempting. You know, maybe move the body, hide the knife. It's why cops don't let suspects hang around the crime scene without them. But the FBI let Joe Biden spend a weekend at the crime scene alone. Two weekends ago, Biden flew to his beach house in Delaware right after he got caught lying. Hey, feds, I checked my Chinese funded think tank, my house, and I swear there's nothing to see here. And when the feds searched his home and his office, they found some things that Joe missed. And that's when Joe flies to his beach house with a bucket of bleach and a book of matches. You don't think Joe knew the FBI was going to hit the beach house next? Well, that's why he brought the cleanup crew. Well, today, two weeks after Joe scrubbed his second home, the FBI shows up for a search. And what do you know? They didn't find any classified documents. So the White House took a victory lap by sending out their very own Stephen Miller. Uh, today, uh, in a planned uh, consensual search with the Justice Department, they went through the Rehoboth uh, Beach House, uh, and no classified uh, marked documents were found. Um, this is consistent, I think, with the president from the very beginning of having total cooperation with the Justice Department as it goes through this ongoing investigation. Why did it take so long for the search of the Rehoboth Beach residents to occur? We've been following the Justice Department's lead and coordinating these searches uh, with them. I'm kidding. Miller's much more handsome. This is like letting Alec Baldwin back on the movie set Rust after he killed his producer. Hey, Alec, why don't you hang out where all the guns are kept for a couple weeks? We'll send a team out there when we get around to it. Now, sources at Rehoboth Beach tell Primetime that Joe had a fire that weekend, smoke coming out of the chimney. It's cold in January. Biden definitely didn't use classified documents as kindling. And if the search was planned, that means Biden knew they were going to search his beach house. Now, if you knew the FBI was going to search your beach house, you wouldn't just maybe accidentally kick open your desk drawers, you know, just to see what was inside. You know, a little spring cleaning early. You think Biden's worried about what the special counsel might be after? If the uh, special counsel who's starting to take asked for your testimony, would you give testimony? That's right. Biden doesn't know about the special counsel. Biden's just a White House intern. He heard about the special counsel on the news, just like the rest of us. But the FBI didn't leave Biden's beach house empty handed. The FBI seized a few things. The FBI, according to Biden's lawyers, took materials and handwritten notes. Wait a second. If the FBI is looking for classified documents and they didn't find any, but they took materials and handwritten notes? That tells me this investigation is much bigger than just classified documents. The FBI also seized handwritten notes, to-do lists, photos from Biden's home in Delaware. This case isn't just about a few mishandled briefing notes with the letter C on them. Or at least it shouldn't be because it looks like Hunter Biden was peddling classified documents for cash. Emails on his laptop show that Hunter was shopping business intelligence on Russian oligarchs. 
to an American aluminum company for $55,000. Hey, guys, I have high-level intel on rich Russian metal tycoons. It's yours for 55 k <laughs> Where do you think that came from? Hunter's a crackhead. He's not a senior fellow of Russian affairs at the Brookings Institute. And this wasn't the first time Hunter was flashing high-level source material to foreign nationals. No wonder the Bidens don't want us to know what's going on here. We just found out that the FBI hit the Penn Biden Center way back in November. They never told us the FBI hit Penn Biden. So the FBI has hit Biden's office, his house, and his beach house and hauled off a ton of stuff. And Biden says this is all planned and he's cooperating. This is all consensual. It's like when a cop pulls you over and tells you to open the trunk. What are you going to do? Tell him to go get a warrant? No, you open the trunk. Biden's getting squeezed hard, and he's trying to play it cool. And the cover-up is reaching into different government agencies now. We just learned that when the National Archives found classified documents at the Chinese-funded think tank before the midterms, the librarian was gagged. Someone at the White House may have told the librarian not to issue a press release. That would have been a November surprise. If we had known about this before the midterms, maybe Fetterman wouldn't be senator. Giselle. They've been trying to keep a lid on this for months. The White House was asked about this today. Would the White House have revealed today's search if pool cameras hadn't caught the investigators arriving on scene? Again, this is a question for the White House counsel's office. I would refer you to them. The binder looks defeated today, and we're starting to feel bad for the binder. I'm wondering how the White House can claim that they are being transparent when the FBI search of the Penn Center, Penn Biden Center, that happened months ago, was not proactively disclosed to the public. And what should the public take away from the fact that you are keeping information like this from the public? Look, I'm going to be uh, very prudent from here. I'm going to be very consistent from here. Uh, I'm just not going to comment uh, anything that is related. The binder's prudent. She looks like she knows something she shouldn't, like someone told her she might have to testify to the special counsel if she keeps running her mouth. Because if this is just all an accident, you know, where some staffer packed up the wrong box, what's with the cover up? Did anyone at the White House at any point tell the National Archives in any form that they could not release a press release about the discovery of classified documents? Yeah, I don't know anything about that. Now, imagine if we knew that Minnie Madoff's dirty money was in play and that Biden was keeping classified documents at a Chinese-funded think tank next to a steakhouse before the midterms. So where else is Biden keeping classified documents? The University of Delaware. That's where the big trove is. We know Hunter was the point man on scoring the University of Delaware Biden papers deal. Hunter had access to the big guy's papers. You know the FBI is going to hit the University of Delaware, right? Maybe they'll find something on Tara Reid, remember? The woman who accused Biden of sexual assault? Or maybe they'll find more classified documents than they did at Mar-a-Lago. Or just maybe they'll let Biden spend the weekend at the University of Delaware before they decide to hit it. <laughs> I, I guarantee you. I guarantee you there's more there than we're knowing now. Wouldn't it just be better if Joe Biden, even if it, had to happen with several of his big-time um, handlers. They sat down with maybe press members from CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, NBC, 
and of course Fox News, and just had a meeting and said, look folks, here's the facts to all this and we want to put them out there so the American people can stop wondering. You know, we need to give the American people the truth. (laughs) Can you see that ever happening in your lifetime or mine? Oh my gosh, that would be that would make governing too simple. I mean, the truth? Oh no. We don't ever let the truth walk in or out of our meetings. Uh-uh. We keep truth in the closet. Well, let me drop a little bomb on you now. There is a bomb literally that is about to drop on the Biden administration and give it from top to bottom, a great big wake-up call. Now, let me me just give you the background of what I'm talking about now. In the name of political expediency, and to make life as painful as possible for President Trump and his allies, you remember all that, House Democrats under Nancy Pelosi and that illegitimate January 6th committee They made a conscious decision to set a brand new precedent and to change the rules when it comes to legislative branch power and congressional oversight. What they didn't think of is in doing so, they didn't change this process temporarily. They changed it forever. Now, I think several Republican committee chairmen are just now realizing this is a change they need to utilize, and they need to do it quickly. What am I talking about? Apparently, Attorney General Merrick Garland's DOJ didn't get this memo from Pelosi before she left the Speaker's office. Recently, the Merrick Garland DOJ tried a return to pre-Trump precedent when they informed House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan that they wouldn't be cooperating with his document request and instead are commencing with the customary foot-dragging that used to be part of the give-and-take in our system of checks and balances until now. What are you talking about, Dan? Based on the decisions made by Trump deranged Democrats and Attorney General Garland himself stonewalling Congress can no longer be done. The January 6th committee created a new standard of no mercy (laughs) and the Biden administration took full advantage of it too. In essence, this means that no one can run out the clock on Congress without serious consequences, not even political appointees at the Department of Justice. So to put things in the proper context, this big-time dramatic change in precedent is crashing into the least transparent administration in history. That would be the Biden administration. For the past two years, The Biden administration was not forced one time to answer any tough questions from either the Democrat majority in Congress or the biased mainstream media. 
Because of that Pelosi-inspired disastrous arrangement, President Biden, his cabinet, his senior staffers, and faceless bureaucrats mistakenly believe they're all untouchable. But there's a new sheriff in town. Thankfully for the American people, with the election of the new Republican majority in the House, there's finally somebody minding the store in Washington. Republicans have now been entrusted with that majority, the People's House, partly because millions of us believe the Biden administration is in dire need of some accountability. Americans want answers. We want answers about our own open southern border, Biden's botched Afghanistan withdrawal, the targeting of parents who attend school board meetings, COVID-19 origins, Biden's mishandling of classified information and his family's foreign business ties. And of course, that unprecedented raid of Mar-a-Lago. Telling congressional Republicans, sorry, it's really none of your business, ain't gonna work anymore. Why? Because of the changes these brain surgeon Democrats led by former Speaker Nancy Pelosi put in place during the last Congress. The DOJ isn't a fortress. It's not a castle with a moat between it and the people. It's part of your government that's supposed to be of the people, for the people, and by the people. Everybody knows the executive branch has grown far too big and powerful But that doesn't mean Congress is no longer a co-equal branch of government. So what's got to happen? Republicans got to use all the power they have, along with the new precedent that Pelosi's gang set to keep the executive branch from becoming an unaccountable monarchy, in the words of Biden, an autocracy. So what are these powers? Subpoenas that can't be ignored anymore. The ability to hold individuals and entities in contempt of Congress. But in the words of Eric Clapton, it's in the way that you use it. So in this post-January 6th committee world we now live in, document requests that are brushed aside must be followed up with subpoenas without delay. And subpoenas that are refused must be enforced and complied with or met with speedy contempt of Congress votes along with oh, I don't know, criminal referrals here and there. Criminal referrals must be handled in a totally nonpartisan fashion and fully investigated by the U.S. Attorney's Office, where? In D.C. If the evidence supports a criminal indictment, the charges should be brought. This is the Bannon-Navarro contempt of Congress doctrine that the Democrats themselves created. We can't have a two-tiered system of justice in this country. Republicans, they got their work cut out for them. There's no doubt about that. We've got that $31 trillion national debt hanging over our heads. Critical race theory, woke culture are infecting our schools. Deadly fentanyl is pouring across our border. Social media companies are censoring free speech. Yep, these are trying times we're in, folks. 
and moving the ball down the field with a small majority is going to be tough every step of the way. But it's not time to step back from a fight. Democrats made their bed. Now they have to lie in it. The Biden administration must not be allowed to go back to playing by their rule book that they just ran roughshod over to achieve their political goals. Send out the subpoenas. Demand transparency transparency and hold everybody accountable. And just use those new rules that Nancy and company made and they didn't even think about canceling them before they lost control of Congress. (laughs) Imagine somebody out there is a little bit hacked off. Why didn't we think about that? Dunkin' is putting a whole new spin on pumpkin at Dunkin' with our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold, cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam made with cinnamon and nutmeg spices. And there's more pumpkin for you to love, like the delicious fall classic, our pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. That's how we pumpkin at Dunkin'. Sip into the fall season with the new pumpkin cream cold brew or pumpkin spice signature latte. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. ABC Tonight, it's all about big cash. Here we go! And big crash. <laughs> On the new season of Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, one star will spin it. Give me the money! To win it all. The big winner of $1 million. Then, host Leslie Jones is off to the races on Supermarket Sweep. On your carts! Get set! Yeah. And we're going to need a cleanup on every aisle. Whoa, <laughs> it all starts tonight, 8, 7 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Dinner, dinner, dinner. Every day you have to think of what's for dinner. Well, now Subway has a solution that is sure to please every person you have to feed for that last meal of the day. It's called Dinner Tonight. Every day after 4 p.m., Subway is offering a Dinner Tonight special, which includes two regular 6-inch subs, two bags of chips, and two 21-ounce fountain drinks, all for just $11.99. This offer is available all day long on Sundays. Subway of Kodiak. Eat fresh. Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And my computer career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. Violence, screaming obscenities, heated arguments, angry crowds, roller derby? Nah. Election season. And your voice of calm is truthnewsnet.org. You know, darn it, it just seems like we're in a perpetual election season. I mean, we're never more than two years away from a national election anyway. And then they start campaigning the day after an election now, so it's like it's 24-7. We never get out of that cycle. We're already talking about who's going to run for president. That's two years away. My gosh. We've got some Anthony Fauci news that's big news. But before we get to that, I want to uh, go down to Florida. 
Ron DeSantis, the governor there, he's been adamantly opposed to all this crazy stuff that's being taught to our schools, to our students in public schools down there. And of late, there are some books, and I mean some really nasty books that they're finding in our public schools that our six and seven-year-old kids are being taught and it has to do with sexual performance. Pictures in the books even show body parts and teach little kids what to do and what not to do. Dave Rubin, yesterday he analyzed this and he brought for us to listen to Don Lamont. You remember him? He used to be the nighttime guy, one of the nighttime guys at CNN. He got busted. He got busted from his nighttime gig at CNN because there was nobody watching his show. But he is now in other day parts, and he weighed in on the DeSantis decisions to force the removal of a book, not books, but a book from a library, all the libraries, elementary school libraries. And of course, in this in this segment, he doesn't mention which book it was, but the book that Governor DeSantis kicked out of public schools is Gender Queer. That's the name of the book. Listen to this report from Dave Rubin, and that segment you'll hear Don Lamont tried to explain his uh, anger at Governor DeSantis. Give them the skills. Imagine going to college where you would learn the skills of how to be a functional person, where you would learn an honest assessment of history, where you might learn some basic economics. The tools then to go out into the world as a 21-year-old, let's say, and have some basic knowledge of how to function in, in society. Wouldn't that be good rather than learning lesbian badminton? It probably would. But listen to how the mainstream media uh, treats Florida and Governor DeSantis as he's going ahead and doing these things. Here is Don Lamont from CNN. Layla, thank you. This is, thank you, Poppy, this is bizarre. I know. I know. What are we doing here? I mean, I feel like we're going back. I feel like I'm watching a bad version of like Pleasantville where you're, I, I don't get what's happening. It feels like the 1950s all over again with like book banning. This is this yeah. is cancel culture from people who are. I guess they just want our kids to be ignorant and to control the teachers. It is. Uh, this is outrageous. I, I I don't. I really don't even know how to explain what's going on here. It's just ridiculous. Don Lemon is a complete and utter buffoon moron, propagandist, liar. He either has no idea what he's talking about, in which case he should be fired, and that's not cancel culture. You are, you should be fired when you are completely incompetent at what you do, right? If you dig holes for pools and you can't do that right, you should be fired. If you, whatever it is that you do, if you don't do it well, you should be fired. That's not cancel culture. So he either has no idea what he's talking about or he is a complete liar and and propagandist. The book that he's referring to is a book called Gender Queer, which was going into elementary schools. We're talking about second and third grade. It was literally showing body parts and talking to kids about how to give hand jobs. So if you think that should be in schools, then you should be hanging out with Don Lemon. 
Uh, that is what they were banning. Nobody thinks it should be there. And no one's banning the books as if the books can't be published, but they should not be in public schools. We all know that. But that's why they never mention the title of the book or the content of the book. He just tries to make it like it's hysteria and this is book burning as if it's 1934 Nazi Germany. It's completely insane. Yeah, it's hard to understand how someone could legitimize their angst, anger, because this particular book, Genderqueer, and you heard Dave say what it includes in the book, it's not about banning books. It's about banning a book for six and seven-year-old kids. Come on now. It doesn't take a brilliant former fired CNN anchor that because of his skin color, they got to keep him on so he doesn't file a racism suit against him. Don Lemon. He likes to call himself Don Lemon, make himself sound a bit cooler. He's a gay guy. Obviously, his perspective is anything to do with gender stuff is okay if they, if they think it's okay. That's all that matters. It doesn't have to be okay. It just needs to be something that they agree with and that they want to see happen. I told you we've got something about Dr. Anthony Fauci that we need to talk about. Let me pull it back up here. It is a, uh, it's a really, really big thing. Listen to this. Four of the highest-ranking U.S. health officials, and one of those happens to be Dr. Anthony Fauci, we discovered yesterday they met in secret to discuss whether or not naturally immune people should be exempt from getting COVID-19 vaccines. These officials brought in four outside experts to discuss whether the protection that came from recovering from COVID-19, known as natural immunity, should count as one or more vaccine doses. There was interest in several people in the administration in hearing basically the opinions of four immunologists in terms of what we thought about natural infection as contributing to protection against moderate to severe disease and to what extent that should influence dosing. That's Dr. Paul Offit, one of those experts. Offit and one other expert took the position, natural immunity need fewer doses. The other two experts argued natural immunity shouldn't count as anything. So this particular discussion did not lead to a change in U.S. vaccination policy, which has never acknowledged post-infection protection. Fauci and the other officials who heard from these experts have repeatedly downplayed that protection, claiming that it is inferior to vaccine-bestowed immunity. Most studies on the subject indicate the exact opposite. This meeting was held in October of 2021. It was briefly discussed and independently confirmed the meeting took place, identified all of the participants, and uncovered other key details. Dr. J. Bhattacharya, a professor of medicine at Stanford University who did not participate in the meeting, criticized 
how such a consequential discussion took place behind closed doors with only just a few people in the meeting. It was a really impactful decision they made in private with a very small number of people involved, and they reached the wrong decision. So who were these people? Dr. Fauci, Dr. Vigit Murthy, the U.S. Surgeon General, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, the head of U.S. CDC, Dr. Francis Collins, head of the U.S. National Institute of Health, which includes Anthony Fauci's little operation, Dr. Bacharo Shuker, the White House vaccine coordinator. From outside the government, Dr. Offit, director of the Vaccine Education Center at Children's Hospital of Philly, Dr. Michael Osterholm, director of the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota, Akiko Iwasaki, professor of immunobiology and molecular, cellular, and developmental biology at Yale, Dr. Peter Hotez, co-director of Texas Children's Hospital for Vaccine Development, Fauci and Murthy decided to hold the meeting. Would you be available tonight from 9 to 9.30 for a call with a few other scientific colleagues on infection-induced immunity? Tony and I just discussed, and we're hoping to do this sooner rather than later if possible. That was Murthy. He wrote that in an email to Fauci, Walensky, and Dr. Collins. All three quickly said, we're in. Walensky asked who would be there. Murthy listed the participants. I think you know all of them, right? She said she knew all but one person. Sounds like a good crew. It's interesting. This was, this was in 2021. Natural immunity. And we're just now hearing about it. What else happened? Well, in the meeting, Offit put forth his position that natural immunity should count as two doses. At the time, the CDC recommended three shots a two-dose primary series, and one booster for many Americans 18 and older. They soon expanded that advice to include all adults, even though trials of the boosters only analyzed immunogenicity and efficacy among those with evidence of prior infection. Research showed that natural immunity was long-lasting and superior to vaccination, On the other hand, the CDC published a paper in its quasi-journal that concluded vaccination was better. No scientific, no lab studies that backed that up. Osterholm sided with Offit, but thought that having recovered from COVID should only count as a single dose. Hybrid immunity refers to getting a vaccine after recovering from COVID. I added my voice at the meeting to count an infection as equivalent to a dose, one dose of vaccine. I've always believed hybrid immunity likely provides the most protection. That was Osterholm. Some papers have found vaccination after recovery boost antibodies, which are believed to be a correlation of protection. Other research has shown the natural immune system have a higher risk of side effects than those who haven't recovered. From infection. Some experts believe the risk is worth the benefit, but others do not. Why was this meeting 
why was this get-together never released, the, the comments, the results, the responses by all these so-called experts? Why did we never hear about it? Because it didn't play. Remember who set this up? Who set it up? Fauci. And the consensus of these specialists that were in that meeting gave credence to national immunity, which was exactly opposite of what Anthony Fauci wanted. Why would Dr. Fauci not want to even consider natural immunity as an option regarding fighting COVID-19? Why? You tell me why. Listen, if you don't hear anything I ever say about anything to do with COVID-19 ever again, hear what I'm about to tell you. Dr. Fauci needs to be put under oath before Congress on national television in a live meeting. I don't know which committee should do it, but whichever committee in the House should call him, put him under oath, and ask him under oath to reveal any and all financial remuneration he has received regarding anything he has done to make money during the COVID-19 pandemic. Do you think he would answer, honestly, absolutely not? Because we all know he was involved in several of the medications that he mandated as the leader of this whole thing in our government. He set the protocol for treating COVID patients in every hospital in America. If you're going to bring in and admit a COVID-19 patients into your hospital, you can only use one drug to treat COVID-19. What was it? Remdesivir. He had a financial stake in remdesivir. That's not conjecture. That's factual. Remember the debacle about putting COVID-19 patients on ventilators? That was also a Fauci rule, I, I call it a rule, but it, was, it wasn't a mandate, but it was highly recommended. And every doctor in the nation was listening to Fauci, who was the expert on all of this stuff. And so they were putting these patients in the early days on ventilators, and the ventilators were killing them. Why? Because ventilators kept them breathing. Why do we breathe? So that our, our blood goes through our lungs to oxygenate, and then be pushed out to all the parts of our bodies. COVID-19 was causing massive inflation, inflammation in our lungs, and our lungs could not oxygenate people's blood. People were dying from oxygen starvation when ventilators were pushing their blood too fast through their lungs. There's been no accountability for that. That was a Fauci mandate, remdesivir. It destroyed people's kidneys. He said the trials, the human trials 
evidentiary uh, uh, proved that remdesivir was a necessary treatment for these people. There were five people in the trial that he referenced, and three of the five died. We didn't know about that till after the fact. This guy's got to be held accountable. Anybody that would go to the extremes that he went to had to have some kind of personal involvement in this. And he did. No question about it. I want to switch gears. That, I wasn't going to bring it up, but it came up at the last minute because it was a revelation about this meeting that happened. And I wanted you to know what's going on in the world of COVID-19. This Congress, this House, has got to call him in and put him on notice. Subpoena him. Don't ask him to come in. Subpoena him. And in the subpoena, list what he's got to bring forward, the questions that they're going to ask him, and hold him accountable. There's no telling how many people died, how many Americans died because of things that he made medical professionals do just because of the position that he held. I want to switch gears now. I want to go to the southern border. We've got a bad, bad situation at the southern border. Chip Roy, congressman from Texas, in a hearing yesterday, he grilled a representative of this administration about the southern border and the stuff that's going on there. Chip Roy. I think the chairman, uh, Mr. Daniels, with respect to that previous point, uh, there's been about 4.7 million apprehensions under the current administration. Is that unprecedented in your eyes? Yes. 2.7 million people have been released into the United States. Is that unprecedented? In fact, way off the charts compared to past numbers? Yes. Uh, the extent to which fentanyl is pouring into our communities, is that precedented? Yes. Or is it precedented? Is this, it's, it's unprecedented, correct? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 heard. Um, uh, I would ask the... Um, Judge San Diego, uh, you testified that there's no invasion. Uh, there were 162,000 encounters in the El Paso sector, El Paso sector alone, in the uh, first quarter of this fiscal year. Does that sound correct? Cool. Border Patrol numbers. 55,000 in December alone. Is that correct? Uh, we had the Democrat mayor of El Paso who has been busing people to New York City. Truth? Nope. Uh, the, the Democrat mayor of El Paso has not been putting people on buses, sending them to New York City. Not without uh, notification at the other end. Okay, but they're, but they're putting them on buses and sending them to New York City. And New York City today is asking the federal government for money to process individuals that they're dealing with overflowing in New York City. Now, you testified earlier that you uh, weren't getting help from the state of Texas. Now, the city of El Paso declared emergency, but has the county declared emergency? No. No, the county has not declared emergency. No, we did not. Um, the earlier testimony that you had before, you testified that this uh, uh, effort to want to secure the border is racist. So uh, here's a question for you. 50% of Border Patrol are Hispanic. Border Patrol overwhelmingly wants us to change policies to secure the border. Not just as some are testifying that we need more resources. I know that Mr. Daniels, Sheriff Daniels, testified, testified that having 20,000 additional agents would be helpful. The answer to that is, of course. Of course, having more personnel would be helpful. 
But the question is, is what do they most want? Mr. Daniels, what does Border Patrol most want to secure the border? Do they want policy changes to actually enforce the law, or do they want more resources? Which would they rank higher? Policy changes. What kind of policy changes? Enforcing the laws of the United States at the border? Enforce the rule of law, and, and I'll share this add-on too, uh, support from, they feel like they're not being supported by this administration. If we had a law that said that we should follow current law to detain individuals claiming asylum for the pendency of the adjudication of that claim, to require that they be detained according to current law, would that be banning asylum? No. And if people are claiming in this committee that it is banning asylum, would that be untrue? Yes. Hector Garza works in Laredo, Texas for Border Patrol. He's a friend. He is Hispanic. He said, the mother of all caravans isn't just materializing out of the ether. It's just the most recent wave of an invasion that is being aided and abetted by liberal activists who believe that subverting United States law is the best way to achieve their radical policy objectives. Mr. Daniels, do you believe that Hispanic Border Patrol agent Hector Garza is racist by describing what we're experiencing at the border as an invasion and suggesting that it is in fact the policies of liberal activists represented by my Democratic colleagues in this committee and in this House, that that is what is subverting United States law. Do you believe that is racist? No. Judge Semeniego, do you believe that there, in light of your statement saying that these policies that are being promoted to secure the border, that you think that that Border Patrol agent Hector Garza, a lifelong public servant working for the Border Patrol in Laredo, Texas, an Hispanic, a Texan, it's racist for that Hispanic American to say that it is an invasion, that his Border Patrol personnel are overwhelmed, that he believes that it is the liberal policies that are making a mockery of our current laws to say that we should enforce the laws, that we should enforce the laws on the books, that that is in fact a racist statement by Hispanic Border Patrol agent Hector Garza. Well, it's a freedom of speech, and he can say whatever he needs to say. I can tell you that if you ask the Border Patrol in El Paso, uh, they're looking for assistance, that we do not detain them because they don't have the space, they don't have the personnel. I appreciate that, but I would just suggest to you is that that is not a racist statement to say that we should think we should secure the border. This chart, Mr. Daniels, can you see it from there? Can you see the uptick in the numbers here, way up here? Yes. That chart reflects the uptick in migrant deaths. That's 2020 to 2022, almost 1,000 migrant deaths at the southwest border of the United States. We had 53 migrants die in a tractor trailer in San Antonio, cooked in the Texas heat. 57 were killed when a tractor trailer crammed with migrants rolled over the highway, crashing in Mexico's southern state of Chiapas. Ask me this, is it Christian for migrants to be treated like that and to die in tractor trailers? Would anybody at this panel think it's Christian? Mr. Dunn, you go to church in Hayes County. Is it Christian to allow migrants to die like that? it's no. time has expired. It is not. Thank, Thank you, Mr. Don. Chip you. Roy, Texas, he gets to the heart of the matter when he asks those questions. Listen, I, I got to be honest with you. We hear these same things over and over and over again. It simply highlights the ineffectiveness or maybe just the lawlessness of this administration ignoring the rule of law. None of this would be happening if the rule of law was being enforced. And we're going to take our final break. On the other side of this break, Stuart Varney had Ted Cruz on yesterday. 
And Ted Cruz, also a lawmaker from Texas. He's a senator from Texas, a lifelong Texas resident. He weighs in in a very emotional way, and he's pointing his finger at Dr. Now, he would like to be. Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security. And so what is this all about? Look, it's very plain, it's very simple, folks. We have a debacle at our southern border. And everybody's admitting it's bad. Well, not everybody. Most people, reasonable people, will say it's a problem. It's a self-inflicted problem by the United States of America. We saw parts of Europe be devastated by a flood of illegals. I mean devastated, and they all walked it back. And we're doing the same thing here? Well, the Biden administration is. Ted Cruz, next. Because truth matters. You're listening to TNN, the Truth News Network. The following is an important time insensitive announcement from Staples. Now for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right. The clock is not ticking. What? Crawl or lollygag to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four-pack of AA Duracell batteries, was $4.79, now just $2.99. But act now, or later, because these Staples everyday price cuts will be around for a really, really long time. Price cuts, like a two-pack of Scotch Magic Tape, previously $4.79, now just $2.99. And Scotch Packaging Tape, now just $2.29 for today, tomorrow, and pretty much every day till the cows come home. But don't hurry. These everyday price cuts are indefinite. To repeat, these prices will last. So stop by your nearest Staples whenever it's convenient and take advantage of these normal, continuing, everyday price cuts. Thank you. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a... Swing! <sighs> Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. I don't know about you, but I'm getting tired of this constant every day. Here's what's happening down at our southern border. And you know what? I really care about it. I really care about the rule of law. I think most of the problems that are happening in the United States of America today stem from the fact that lawmakers and those in positions of lawlessness and attacking lawlessness, they are shooting themselves and the American people in the foot by not enforcing the rule of law. Case in point, always the southern border. It is illegal for one person that's not a citizen of the United States to step foot inside this nation without having a formal permission in writing from our federal government to do it. There are dozens and dozens 
of criminal laws regarding illegal immigration. They are illegal aliens. They're not being held responsible for that wrongdoing. In fact, they're being encouraged to do it. I'm tired of saying that. I'm tired of even talking about it. You think I'm tired. Stuart Varney had Ted Cruz on. Listen to the senator basically go nuts. Congressman Jim Jordan accuses the administration of intentionally causing the migrant crisis at the border. Senator Ted Cruz, Republican from the border state, Texas, joins me now. Mr. Senator, great to see you back again. Do you agree with Congressman Jordan that this is intentional, deliberate? I I think it's indisputable. If you look at what this administration has done, it takes a series of steps that have deliberately caused this border crisis. We're now looking at more than 5.4 million illegal immigrants have crossed the border under Joe Biden. It's the worst illegal immigration in the history of our nation. Just last month, in December, we had the highest rate of illegal immigration that has ever been recorded in a single month in the history of our country. And the Biden administration wants this. They intend this. In fact, if you look at at the job Alejandro Mayorkas is doing as Secretary of Homeland Security, I believe the House of Representatives is going to impeach Mayorkas, and I think they should impeach him. And the reason is he's not just derelict in his duty. He's not just refusing to follow federal law. He's doing that, but it's even worse. He is actively flouting federal law and instructing his political appointees not only not to secure the border, not only not to deport people as federal law requires when they cross here illegally, but instead to facilitate and to speed up the process of their coming here illegally. He's focused on let's process them more quickly, let's pick them up at the border, let's put them on a plane, let's put them on the bus and send them to every city in America. And Alejandro Mayorkas is right now literally the largest human trafficker on the face of the earth. 5.4 million people and he is the last mile in the human trafficking network that is making the Mexican cartels billions of dollars, and he doesn't intend to change. Joe Biden doesn't intend to change. They keep making the problem worse. Well, Democrat Congressman Jerry Nadler, he says the GOP is racist for focusing on the surge at the border. Um, You want (laughs) to respond to that, Senator? Well, sure. You know, you know, you know, Nadler is welcome to come down to Texas. I'm from Texas. I spend a lot of time on the southern border. I'll tell you, anyone who sees it firsthand, you know what's racist? What's racist is the Democrats not giving a damn about a bunch of children being sexually molested and physically abused by traffickers. I've seen the little girls who were assaulted by these traffickers. I've seen the little boys who were assaulted. I've seen the women who were raped by these traffickers. And the Democrats don't give a damn. And many of them are Hispanic. My dad was an immigrant from Cuba. Jerry Nadler and Joe Biden and the other Democrats don't give a damn about these Hispanic immigrants being left to die on Texas farms and ranches in the, in the sun and the heat. 54 illegal immigrants cooked. They died in a tractor trailer outside of San Antonio. And the Democrats don't give a damn, and they're willing to let it happen tomorrow and the next day and the next day. I'm tired of the cheap accusations of racism from the Democrats when they're the ones that are turning a racist blind eye to the people who are dying. And you know what they're also turning a blind eye to? The over 100,000 deaths from overdoses, Chinese fentanyl flooding across the border. Again, the Democrats don't give a damn, and it's time that they actually secure the border. And I'll tell you, you go go to South Texas, which is overwhelmingly Hispanic, 
and everyone agrees this is a crisis, and it's a crisis the Democrats have caused. Mr. Senator, great to have you back on the show. Good stuff. Thank you, Stuart. Yes, sir. See you later. You think the senator thinks the Democrats don't care about these people, these people that are coming basically because they've been invited by Joe Biden and his administration to just come on in. Why wouldn't they come? And many of them are dying. Illegal aliens that are bringing in large part disease, criminality. We know all of those are true. And if you dare mention them, you're immediately labeled as a racist or xenophobe or a non-Christian person that doesn't care for helping other people in other places in the world secure a better life when we could just open our borders up and tell them to come on in. That's what we need to do. We need to just let anybody and everybody that wants to come here just come on in. Oh, by the way, when they get here, we're going to take care of them. Top to bottom, take care of everything. Food, housing, clothing, medical care, education for their kids. We're just going to give them all of that. I am sick and tired every day of pointing these circumstances out of you. just heard Senator Ted Cruz. Stuart Varney didn't know what to say. Cruz went nuts. He's just telling the facts. If it's not about immigration, it's about climate change. Oh, my gosh. Climate change. We know what this president did, what his thoughts were. He promised he was going to do it, and he did it. He basically just destroyed single-handedly, at least for a period of time, our fossil fuel industry, the lives of millions of Americans, jobs from hundreds of thousands of people. Meanwhile, the cost of gas is going right back up again. No conversation about that from the Biden administration. But let me tell you something in quiet, in the dark of night, something good that has happened by this administration. It was announced overnight that the Biden administration is expected to propose a limited plan for expanding oil drilling in Alaska in the next few days, relenting on their longtime opposition to any domestic oil production. So the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management, is pushing for an environmental review that will effectively endorse the ConocoPhillips Oil Company's plan to open up to five new drilling sites in the state of Alaska. The plan is a scaled-back version of CP's Willow Project, which seeks to open up access to 600 million barrels of crude oil. Now, Joe and his folks, they have long opposed any expansion of domestic oil production, even as the president has complained about the effects of its limited supply. As gas prices skyrocketed for all of us this summer and in the fall, Biden turned to foreign oil producers like Saudi Arabia, expressing disappointment when they told him to go pound sand. Americans are taking it in the shorts because the Biden administration has basically declared war on American affordability and abundant energy. 
That's Dan Keish, a senior fellow at Free Market Think Tank Institute for Energy Research. Biden has promised on the campaign trail to end fossil fuels, saying there would be no drilling. He reiterated as much during an event in New York alongside Democrat Governor Kathy Hochul. There's no more drilling. I haven't formed any new drilling, he said at the event, after getting shouted down by a climate protester. Critics say it's hypocritical for Biden to oppose drilling on our soil, even while urging foreign producers to ramp up their own production levels. One report from the fall showed that Biden's administration had approved a plan for the oil producer Chevron to resume resume drilling in Venezuela, even as he opposed doing so here in the United States. I still haven't figured that one out. He opposes it happening here, but he's going overseas and begging some of these people that are not our allies, begging them to let us go, Chevron, go to Venezuela and drill. And now he's very quietly saying, let's open up a little piece of Alaska. It's not like the Biden administration is opposed to energy extraction and drilling. No, they're just opposed to do it domestically for cheap political accounting tricks that claim they're fighting global warming while they're offshoring. And everything they offshore from here, if it's if it's causing climate problems here, it's still going to cause climate problems doing it elsewhere. This is something that Americans have got to recognize. It's hypocrisy at its worst. And you and I, and maybe for generations, our kids and grandkids are going to pay for this president's commitment to at least look like a climate Scientologist or a climate change supporter or a green energy guy, but he's really not, but he's wanting to look like it in the eyes of those people that write the big checks to him, his campaign, and those of other Democrats. Meanwhile, Democrat Adam Schiff and Senator Sheldon Whitehouse They are demanding answers from Facebook on the social media giant's decision to reinstate former President Donald Trump to Facebook and Instagram. And the two slammed the move by Facebook as inexplicable. Last week, Facebook announced it would end Trump's suspension across its platforms, which began after the Capitol riot back on January 6, 2021. By the way, in case you hadn't figured that out, that's two years. In a blog post, Nick Clegg, who's president of global affairs at Facebook, said Trump's suspension would be lifted in the coming weeks. But Schiff and White House are slamming Facebook's parent company, Meta, for its decision saying the former president should not be reinstated. Based on Meta's previous statements on standards for allowing Trump back on the website, his account should not have been reinstated. 
Schiff and Whitehouse wrote that in a letter to Clegg on Monday, claiming that Trump had continued to post harmful election content on Truth Social that would likely violate Facebook's policies, and we have every reason to believe he will bring similar conspiratorial rhetoric back to Facebook too. And they added how Facebook could reinstate his account given all the additional content on True Social that would likely have resulted in a brand new suspension if it were on your platform is inexplicable. Both guys, Schiff and Whitehouse, also asked Meta to provide a briefing on the company's efforts to, quote, uphold an election integrity and not allow their platform to be used to spread conspiracy theories and election lies. We believe that part of Meta's commitment to election integrity should be ensuring that those who maintain the unfounded, dangerous narrative of the 2020 election are not allowed or encouraged to spread the lie in any form, they wrote. It's not clear in this decision where Meta will draw the line between content that is harmful and should be removed and content that, however distasteful or inaccurate, is part of the rough and tumble of life in a free society, and we would greatly appreciate further clarity on this matter. Now, Facebook first moved to block Trump following the January 6th riot at the Capitol. That was upheld by the platform's oversight board in May of 2021, though the board asked Facebook to re-examine Trump's then indefinite suspension and decide the appropriate penalty. In June of that year, Meta Platforms determined it would do a suspension on Trump's Facebook and Instagram accounts for two years. That ended last month, at which point the company would reassess the former president's status. In light of Trump's violations, he now faces heightened penalties for repeat offenses, penalties which will apply to other public figures whose accounts are reinstated from suspensions related to any civil unrest under our updated protocol. That's Clegg saying that. He acknowledged Clegg did that reasonable people will have varying opinions on Facebook's decision to allow Trump back, but a decision had to be made, so we've tried to make it as best as we can in a way that is consistent with our values and the process we established in response to our oversight board's guidance, not the government, not two beanheads, Sheldon Whitehouse and Adam Schiff. Trump, they didn't say that, I did. Trump reacted to their decision last week. He posted on his True Social uh, page saying, Facebook, which has lost billions of dollars in value since deplatforming your favorite president, me, has just announced that they are reinstating my account. Such a thing should never again happen to a sitting president or anybody else who is not deserving of retribution, Trump said. Truth be known. Facebook has lost a lot of money in that time period. Twitter has as well. Now, it's probable that not all of that lost revenue in the form of advertising 
can be pointed to as happening strictly because of Facebook's move to dump Trump from its social media platforms. But reasonable people will agree that it cost them something, and obviously something significant. But forget about that. Forget about that. Let's go back up to the top of this story. The two things I wanted to point out is these two hardcore leftists that think this government in which they serve is an autocratic government that endows each and every member, all 535, well, not all 535, just the ones that are not conservatives. Everybody else in Congress is endowed with the right to push private companies to censor anybody that these two guys and others that are like them in our government want to see Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, any of the social media platforms, that these guys and other members of the government actually have a right to demand that somebody be censored. The only way they can do that and think that it's okay is to be totally against all of the tenets that are built into the First Amendment of our Constitution. They are making their demands as members of the United States government. They don't have the authority to do that. But I think it's critical to point out they don't give a rip. That doesn't matter to them. It's just the way it is. So meanwhile, around the nation, Americans and a lot of other people are dealing with all of the fallout that comes from the policies that have been made and implemented by those two, Sheldon Whitehouse, Adam Schiff, President Biden, and other Democrats. And part of that is coming by the whole atmosphere of, of anti-law enforcement, a definite pushback against the criminality being held and holding criminals responsible across the nation. And Americans, Americans are living in that. They're hating that. I saw a stat this morning. And what was interesting about the statistics was where it came from and in what context it's being given. In hearings that are underway in the House of Representatives, there are people, Democrats, are say, and, and one of the major things that's being discussed now is the very thing, our southern border debacle. And I heard this morning a litany of recordings from these Democrat lawmakers, a bunch of them, a dozen or more, in these hearings are saying there's no problem There's no flood of illegals at our southern border. There's no lawlessness process. In what world are these people living? Because it's everywhere. Crime is up everywhere in massive numbers. And what was interesting to me was a poll was taken by one of the major pollster companies in the nation. I forget which one it was. And numbers from it were referenced in this report, in these committee hearings that are going on now, and 80% of Americans believe our southern border is open. 
and that the Biden administration is complicit in this. And because they're open in part, we've got a flood of fentanyl, we have human trafficking, we have smuggling going on, massive drug smuggling. 100,000 people died last year from fentanyl poisoning. Fentanyl's coming in, the illegal fentanyl's coming in across our southern border. And these people in the Biden administration and in Congress are saying, there's no there there. After a year of rising crime and inflation, many Americans have chosen to leave our three biggest cities to head down south of all places. They're leaving Chicago, Los Angeles, and New York. Why would they be leaving if what these Democrats are saying is true? There's no problem going on at our southern border. These people, they're just unhappy and wanting to make a change. Listen, folks, it's insane for governing and actually believing that criminality is okay. And they do. They believe that. Something's in the wind. Something's going on. And I'm going to leave the show with you there today. Something is going on. And you and I, we better get our acts together. Those 535 men and women in Congress, they better get theirs to better, as does the Biden administration. Hey, guys, get ready. Get ready. Get ready.